Hi, I'm Manish Thavan with my good friend Puneet Khurana. We run a blog by the name of stoicinvesting.com. This is our podcast series. Life is too short to learn from just your own experiences. To inculcate vicarious learning, we will be interviewing and profiling interesting people from different walks of life. Hopefully, this endeavor will shorten the learning curve for our audience. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have with us Mr. Alok Chen. Those of you who are on Twitter would know that he stormed the Twitterati world with his MI50 momentum trading system with all its back tests, simulations and projections. From there on, his performance graph did the talking mostly. Now, I know it's too early to pass a judgment on the robustness or efficacy of his system. However, one thing you can be sure of is the amazing transparency and accountability he brings to the table. In the financial world, skin in the game and accountability is a very big deal. And so he had to be part of Stoic Investing Podcast. Let's listen in to a fascinating conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today at Delhi Lawn Tennis Association Club, uh, sipping beer with none other than the Momentum Master, Alok Chan. Hi, Alok. Welcome to the show. Hi, Manish. Glad to be here. Hi, Alok. Hi, Paneet. Manish, since Momentum is your domain, uh, let's start by you doing the round of introduction. One thing that I'll definitely like to say is that I'm a big fan of Alok Jain. And the reason is the transparency that he uh, brought into the entire game. You know, uh, we're so used to seeing, uh, biz, uh, you know, these analysts who come on TV, uh, give their uh, tips every day and then forget about it the next day. There is absolutely no accountability whatsoever. And in comes this gentleman who basically changes the game on its head on his website, uh, a small blog, uh, to be honest. And he basically puts everything right up there uh, for everyone to see, whether up or down. And that kind of transparency is is just phenomenal. And I, I just am a huge fan of Alok for that. So, uh, Alok, uh, uh, let's start from the start. Tell us something about yourself, uh, your background, and what got you interested in the market. So, hi. Th- thanks for the nice intro. I don't know if that's well-deserved or not, but uh, essentially, uh, I got introduced to the markets quite by accident. I was uh, in the U.S. studying biotechnology in 1991, and uh, my... Uh, advisor there he wanted me to go for a PhD and believe it or not till that time I was not really thinking about you know where the career would take me and then I thought you know if I go for this PhD I would go into academics most likely and that is not my preferred domain so I went I, I went to the dean of the business school in the same university I was at University of Maryland and I said, uh, sir, I need to do an MBA and a master's in finance, dual degree program was there. I said, let me let me get into this. He said, you know, and I said, I don't have the money as well. So you have to give me the tuition fee. 
okay <laughs> and he said okay okay try to get a gmat score of so and so and we'll offer you tuition waiver so i i did about 4 weeks of study and I, i was able to get that score and i hopped into this business school on the same campus from my masters program nice and uh, two and a half years later uh, as luck would have it um, my uh, my father called me and he said uh, being a small family he said either you come back home or you call us to the states there's no point living separately and i agreed with that and at the same point of time i think it was 1990 late in 1993 or early 94 the national stock exchange had been formed and they had invited new members new professional members for uh, delhi area and my father being a old time investor he was very interested that i come back home and i start a business uh, in the family and uh, by by that time had uh, pretty much decided that you know i i want to come back home and i don't want to live the rest of my life in the states so sometime in 95 i moved back here and i set up a we applied and we got through the membership so I along with some help from fam- family friends and uh, in 95 we started a journey and set up a stock brokerage house uh, at the nsc um so initially it was designed to be an institutional and corporate broking uh, business and we set up our office in delhi and bombay and uh, that went on for some time uh, until uh, the business i think post 97 or 98 started to become very murky in the sense that no deals were going through and you know dealers at various institutions would would you know ask for all kinds of favors if they wanted to give place the orders with you so i mean i was not liking all this from the very start and i i told my uh, there were uh, two sleeping partners in the company and i told them you know i have not come back from the states to do this kind of work and i want to do a clean transparent business whatever small or big that may be so uh, i we we gradually uh, in fact uh, that was a time when we started making a uh, platform for online uh, broking business which was sort of not heard of in india so far india bulls was creating one but nobody had launched it i think before 99 and just just when we got ready to launch it somewhere in 2000 the market crashed so uh, the, that's uh, the initial phase of our business going from institutional to online attempts and then ultimately we moved into retail uh, a few years later um within the uh, uh, broking business i would say uh, um th- there were uh, there were moments where you know the business was really slow that that came in during 2001 to 3 i actually did not know what to do for two years there was no business and absolutely no work i mean no no trading no back market was just flat i mean if you've not witnessed those two years in your life i mean you haven't seen flat or dead markets yet what what two years were these this was 2001 to 2003 just before the bull market so you can say it was a calm before the storm it was so it was so dead that i actually started another business alongside i i opened a bpo a small 20 seater business 
which was transcribing financial statements of US companies. So I had a client in the US who would send me overnight, you know, financial uh, earnings calls, and we would transcribe them and give them an overnight turnaround. So it the current the Indian market was so dead at that point of time that I didn't I had no idea what to do with it. And then of course the the boom in two thousand three four started, and business started to come back, and that party lasted till two thousand eight, which after which again the same phenomena happened. So to cut the long story short, basically over the years, while I was doing the brokerage business, I was also very keenly developing certain. uh side uh, uh, skills in trading so i was very fascinated with you people uh, like uh, you know uh, big trading names maybe like turtle traders or uh, you know people who were doing certain things in a more systematic manner so the system trading i would say was getting into my skin for the last decade or decade and a half but it it didn't come up until much later matlab i i would say not even till about 2010 and uh, uh, since 2010 of course i have been doing a lot of uh, system trading for earlier in the indices and uh, last couple of years in in stocks uh, through this uh, momentum uh, uh, system on on my blog weekend investing right right and so did you try other methods of investing or trading before zeroing on momentum so i would say i i pretty much went through the entire spectrum in early to in early uh, 2003 4 5 in fact from 3 onward till 8 i was doing a lot of what's now being called btst and in those days these these terminologies were not coined buy today sell tomorrow yeah so essentially the the uh, the uh, alpha was create getting created in the fact that when the news was getting out the dissemination of the news was very slow at least in those days while you didn't have so many social networks and you know so many so many uh, online facilities to disseminate the news so at nsc or bsc announcement page if you saw an announcement of a results or a news or a you know any any new discovery it took a few minutes for it to you know get discounted in the market cnbc would take a couple of yeah at least a minute to flash it and you know other websites would pick on it a few minutes later it is almost not like today where you know algorithms are picking up things right. and there's hardly any delay so those kind of uh, activities were um, kind of building a, um, a a sense of momentum in my uh, in my in my thought process though uh, if i think about it today uh, those were the years when unconsciously i was getting used to playing momentum so you know a a news would come out at 11 o'clock and you know i would i would take a position in that stock and you know there's a initial phase of that stock going up if it's a positive news 
and then the market would react react back then at the end of the day there was another move wherein the people who were wanting to take deliveries would get in and were doing btst and then there would be another move yet again the next morning after people read the newspaper etc so on and on one single news you could have played the market almost three times so that inherently was you know momentum play although on a very short time frame so i used to do you know a lot of such type of trades then of course i did try my hand at investing uh, at various times my biggest i think i would say um, uh, bad investment if i can call it it was not really an investment i was working for a hyderabad based uh, large software company i won't name it and i was working with the company as a corporate broker and uh, the stocks were very illiquid and they would accumulate stocks through mutual fund because we had impanelment at at various institutions and you know i would it, it was days of physical uh, share certificates so i would you know scrounge uh, around you know get 5000 shares from here 10000 shares from there from various institutions make a bunch of 50000 and go to hyderabad and you know give it to the company and and get my money back Uh, it this happened for a for a year or two and then they defaulted on me so i had with me you know good 50000 shares bought at about 50 rupees stuck with me and 25 lakh rupees of capital in those days was a good amount so you know i i pleaded with the company and somehow after 3 months of pleading i was able to get my money out and that stock which i 25 lakhs were stuck in it that went from 50 rupees to 7000 in the next one and a half years So, so so although it was not a planned investment but had it become a incidental investment that would have given me a lot of confidence so you basically forced yourself out of a fortune that's true that's true that's true so if somebody tells me a, a sob story these days or, or i i tell them this story that this is what i missed uh, and 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 you know no sob story can be bigger than this So yeah, but coming back to your question, uh, I did try uh, a, a hand at investing. I found that it was not my cup of tea. I tried my hand at uh, intraday trading. Uh, I tried my hand at BTST uh, trading, and I did a lot of positional swings, swing type of trading, and reasonable success I got in it. I I remember at least during the bull years. a uh, returns of 50 to 100% a year was not out of the normal so that kind of a returns were possible of course the scalability of that model was a question because without a system without risk management on each trade i mean you couldn't really scale it up i mean could you go from say risking a crore of rupees to 5 crores to 10 crores could you do that and uh, one was that the opportunities of liquidity of that kind of scale would get limited and to your own sense because you were not having at least i was not having in those days any reasonable risk management in my trades it was a lot of you know just go with the flow kind of a thing so would it be fair to say that that uh, uh, prompted you to move towards automation not 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 that type of trading but i think 2008 definitely did i think 
in 2008 i was heavily leveraged uh, 2006 7 8 were good years i was heavily leveraged and post uh, 2008 crash like most people i lost a ton of money as well and uh, i think that was the time what got me thinking that you know although what i'm doing is is definitely uh, right but not in a proper risk managed way okay okay so the shock of the 2008 basically prompted you to uh, devise a uh, automated uh, system yeah so 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 that event made me start thinking about system driven trading maybe not automation but system driven training at uh, trading and i think i read a book by van tharp or some articles by van tharp and that got me thinking about position sizing and i initially started trading on the index so from 2008 till 2013 or so for 5 or 6 years i was just trading bank nifty and nifty and a, a momentum strategy both long and short i was trading on this with position managed and you know money management in place and we are getting a reasonable thumb ballpark 20 or percent a year on a low leverage so that was that was reasonable going and i introduced my clients the broking clients that i had we had a good number of hni clients in the broking company and they were always always looking for additional sort of returns so i introduced this uh, system which i was doing for myself to them and for a good 3 4 years we did this as a managed portfolio okay the trouble that we saw was happening was was with the business transaction treatment of derivatives trading so just imagine if some client had say you know 5 crores and you were doing a leveraged nifty trade on that and say you did a you know one one turn of nifty every every week and say a leverage of two times so that would translate into a turnover of about 80 crores per year per per month for that client right. right and that translated into you know when the income tax was scrutinizing his books that came out to be about 1000 crores a year and if he was showing uh, you know profits of 20% on base capital of maybe about a crore of rupees it was difficult to justify to the to the income tax tell me about it and <laughs> so so uh, many many a clients were starting to you know complain about the the the, the treatment uh, that they were getting uh, from the income tax on this and also that this was not really tax efficient so you know 30% of tax 30 plus plus percent of tax on 20% and then if you had to uh, sort of part with some profit sharing i mean that really reduced the returns for them that so that point was really when i started to think about you know why not go for distributed or diversified stock investing uh, with momentum of course in play and do only long only play and uh, that's the 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 system is tax efficient and most clients are somehow more comfortable uh, you know investing in stocks than dealing with even low leverage derivatives uh, so look let me ask this question i mean from the journey you have told me so far and that went from mid 90s to 
and so far and i forgive me if i'm getting something wrong here but so far what i'm getting is that majority of your source of income was your business and your brokerage and the business which you did with the hyderabad company but was it investing was it sizable chunk of your money coming from your trading activities or was a sizable chunk coming from your business activities i think the business activities were definitely the uh, bigger bigger uh, pie and uh, trading was very very small compared to that and uh, because it was not the major focus uh, that i had i was running the business uh, along with the other investors in the company so trading was a with a passion that was developing over time so the i wouldn't say that scale of trading was was reasonably high so would it be fair to say that 2008 hit was only on your trading portfolio and not on the business portfolio besides that uh, money which get stuck with the client yeah yeah i mean 2008 hit that i was mentioned was on the trading portfolio which was which was more individual than business in nature and uh, of course the business got hit because of you know the general market sentiment so why i'm asking this is because people try to leave their jobs and start without any having any uh savings to speak of and then they try to leave their jobs and they jump into trading especially this is the scenario in last 2 3 years we are seeing when the bull market is uh, uh, when the bull market is going so i just wanted to put a, put across this point that you know most of the people they ignore the initial uh capital component when they are doing their million dollar calculations in their dreams and i think uh, i think in a bull market it's easier to do those calculations and extrapolate on your excel sheet you know this is where i'll be in 5 years or 3 years but i've seen in my uh, own experience that uh, after the 2000 uh, the y2k the, the technology boom uh, there were a few clients who came into a brokerage house who were with good jobs and they had left their jobs because that boom gave them a uh, a reasonable confidence that they can sustainably you know manage on trading and in, in in just a few years time i found that you know they went back to their jobs they could not sustain it so definitely unless you have a reasonable you know financial independence that you can uh, claim i don't think you should be leaving your jobs and jumping into trading can you quantify it uh, let's just say somebody is interested in in making this uh, investing or trading as a career what do you think is the minimum benchmark money that he should have yeah so so my uh, i i've always said this and you may have read it on twitter that i think that you should do it on the side and only jump in full time when your investing slash trading returns have exceeded your daytime job returns so if that equation is happening then i think it is reasonable time or reasonable risk taking time to jump into full time trading I'm pretty sure this would disqualify 99% of them. Okay, so if I do a rough, uh, you know, back and back of the hand calculation, if a person has an income of around let's say 10 lakhs a year, just for the sake of calculations, and uh, approximately his expenses are 30 to 40% of that, so uh, let's say around 4 lakhs, and now to make uh, 10 lakhs from his uh, portfolio, he would have to have around 50 lakhs rupees. at least assuming that he can do a linear of 20-25% so let's say 20% and if he intends to compound it he also need to have a source of income to support his expenses otherwise he will end up eating the put, the profits and reducing the capital for future compounding or maybe you can just incorporate your expenses and add more to the capital number accordingly so 
what I'm trying to say is that you, if you have to think about it, you, you have to be in a position to comfortably sustain yourself. But this plain, simple mathematics takes a backseat when people are thinking about this. And to go and jump into full-time investing without having enough buffer is an extremely risky strategy. Although, although I would say that 20% uh, is, is not a big deal in trading. I mean, if somebody is really uh, picking on good trading skills, they could go much, much higher than that. And you're saying it post-tax and post-transaction costs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I was saying, uh, between the years 2003 to 2008, maybe I was compounding at, you know, between 50, 52, 50 to 100% every year. Uh, having said that, you also probably have to account for drawdowns and bad years. Yeah, so 2008 probably washed off 20-25% of that. But still, I would say you know, the, the returns per year would have been in much in excess of 20%. This whole period was uh, uh, that momentum trading you were talking about? Yeah, so basically it was a mix of either positional or, uh, you know, doing uh, or demerger plays. I did a lot of demerger plays also. During during two th- thousand three eight. Can can you throw some light on that also? What what demerger plays? So basically, uh, uh, we're basically trying to capture uh, the the sum of parts and value unlocking that is happening during the demerger. And a lot of times, I've seen that during bull markets, a lot of corporates either use this vehicle to to uh, get higher market capitalization. And during 2003 to 2008, I would I would say every other month there was one big corporate restructuring that was happening. So Reliance went through it. Uh, I think um, uh, there were there were several others. I'm not remembering right now. Several others were were there, and I got stuck in one of them, and that really you know uh, put the lights on for me in terms of diversification in portfolio. So there was this company still exists. They were diversifying, uh, demerging their telecom license into another company. Okay. And this was, I think, 2007. And they got a telecom license through uh, through the new license uh, allocations. And Russian company came in as partners for them. And I invested big time into this. And what happened after that was that this the these the company which had the license never got listed okay so once the uh, main company got listed and you know that part was sold off the second part was never listed and the company kept uh, you know uh, what what should i say uh, dilly dallying the the decision to list under some pretext or the other. And, you know, there were 18,000 minority shareholders of that company. They were stuck. So we went to SEBI. I went to Jaipur High Court. I spent, I would say, at least 100 trips to Jaipur High Court on this over the next seven years. And I really went all out, you know, to get justice for myself as well as for other minority shareholders. Uh, I'm just curious, what percentage of your corpus was invested in this for you to take out this kind of effort? Maybe uh, maybe a third of my trading capital. Wow. So, so that was a large chunk. And although they were, you know, they sold, the, they sold a significant chunk to the 
Russian company at five times par, but they were not willing to share any uh, you know returns with the minority shareholders. So pure case of you know mismanagement of minority shareholders. But uh, we fought for seven years and um, we still lost it because we could not field the kind of you know council strength right. that they could. Right. You know we ha- we had the best of lawyers of uh, f- f- our capacity, but I we could not match them. So 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 that kind of uh, you know. drill down the concept of you know must keep your eggs diversified especially in our i mean in in the environment we operate in because i mean one of the big reason why we don't have any kind of shareholder activism in our country is primarily because what exactly you told right now yeah that was a harrowing time i mean if you imagine going to a court 100 times it is actually a very negative environment i mean it, it, it is, accepts it accepts you out and and this particular case is not involving family issues and you know uh, the promoter threats which is also a very common thing which uh, yeah we uh, i mean we we were told that you know don't go for it i mean the russian mafia will be after you and so on <laughs> but <laughs> but but you know me and another one of uh, one of the other large investors i mean we 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 did try our best but somehow it didn't work out so 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 yeah it was a good lesson lesson learned Well, it's a very valuable lesson for all all of us who basically uh, load up big on demergers because this this is pretty eye popping, you know. One of those demerged entities might never get listed. So when you were into demerger plays, I want to understand in the trading side when you're taking this kind of a bet, which was one third of your portfolio. What was your risk management at that point in time for these kind of companies? Was it uh, was it a price driven uh, stop loss kind of a uh, risk management? There was. i would say there was hardly any risk management <laughs> okay because one uh, risk management would come after you get a lesson from the market and till till then there was no lesson virtually and it was a bull market you know everything was going up every day so you didn't really care at that point of time so 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 the lesson learned later was of course to you know to bet only a reasonable size in and also while demergers are happening one should definitely look at the quality of the company regardless of what value unlocking may be happening because the quality of the promoter whether they will you know mismanage the minority investors that is very very key just imagine losing a huge chunk of your capital just because the company didn't list or the promoter you know did something uh, that part which you are saying is extremely difficult to you know boil down to because there have been couple of cases where even very good quality promoters have gone down to take very anti minority shareholder and i'm talking about mnc companies and you know that's true but but there's a large section of people in the market there's a large section of investors in the market who go after every demerger you know almost assuming that every demerger will result in value unlocking <laughs> right <laughs> so manish can probably uh, tell us the last few demergers what has happened i don't i haven't been following No, so they all all have been profitable. Majority of them, yeah, irrespective of the quality, yeah. I think we we are entering this, we we are entering the same field again. No, I don't uh, participate in all the demergers, but yes, uh, we are entering that field where people starting to getting the feeling that uh, demerger is equal to value and locking, irrespective. So, so what needs to be seen is what is the run up before the demerger. I mean, a lot of times, the date of the demerger, if you see, the stock has run up fifty or hundred percent already. So, so a lot. I, I think over the last what twenty twenty two years that I've been in the market, I can say with reasonable confidence that our market 
is if if not rigged uh, is definitely very very influenced by insiders and value investing uh you know can work only to a limited extent i i cannot really uh, paint a uh, paint a brush across but momentum investing came more into focus because i realized that even if things are rigged or you know not clean you cannot cheat the momentum you cannot cheat the price yeah you cannot cheat the price so price uh, remains the uh, you know the uh, the one commodity that you cannot really cheat oh, on uh, okay so again uh, so let me be the devil's advocate because both of you are momentum people and i am completely out of it so <clears throat> Uh, on the contrary isn't it uh, isn't it the only thing that can be completely manipulated when it comes to uh, when i'm talking about price now so 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 let me so let me tell you a, a interesting story that in 2017 1617 in in one of the strategies mi50 that i run one of the largest gainers was a stock called which people say is a totally manipulated stock i don't know but that's what people say and we got the largest gain or one of the largest gains in the year in that stock so yeah it was it ran from 20 rupees to 220 we caught in at around 65 we got out at about 165 purely on a price basis i don't give a damn what the quality of stock is no fair enough but that doesn't answer that doesn't answer puneet's question and you know uh, uh one of uh, example probably doesn't change uh, anything right because uh, there's survivorship bias that comes into it the the point uh, that puneet was making is that momentum uh, price is the only thing that we are concerned about and isn't that the easiest thing to manipulate so okay let me give you an example so that it makes a bit more clear so majority of the time and one thing which has happened to one of my holdings extremely recently and i don't want to name it because of some uh, regulatory issues but it was fairly obvious that majority of the price which got out i mean the the increase in the price was completely driven by a very heavy buying on absolutely no fundamental reason whatsoever there was no nothing to you know there was nothing i've been tracking that company pretty well and it and the by the time it reaches the price where the momentum people generally jump in and it's after a significant move with a significant volume it was a it was a dumb situation and that is very often done by many people when they rig up the price and then they just dump it up that's possible that's possible probably that happened in one of the recent cases so i think the question is what is the success ratio of number of picks you generally do via this momentum strategy and uh, uh when it fails how much is the quantum of failure you take which is nothing but the risk management uh strategy i guess uh, basically uh, you will experience a few such cases every year i would say yep you know especially in a bull market scenario and sort of you are uh, accepting this as a business cost that a couple of your you know positions will go ori right and if you are running a 25 40 50 <laughs> stocks portfolio uh, a 2% or a 4% even if the stock goes to zero which which is usually not the case you know if you even if you take a 20 30 40% hit on one of your components which is 
you know like 2% of your portfolio i still think it is worth going after price and absorbing these one or two shocks yeah in fact if you run if you run a, a back test on any momentum strategy uh, you're absolutely spot on that uh, every year you'll come across couple of them if not more and uh, point is your cagr returns that would show uh, take into account these shocks because you're anyways not betting more than 4 5% per script so the concentration of your portfolio is actually key i mean if you are running a five stock or a 10 stock portfolio and you know you get two such stocks that can significantly jar your cagr so would it be fair to say that momentum should be practiced on a diversified portfolio only or let's say if you have to practice it on a concentrated portfolio which i think manish does your uh, strategy has to be extremely different i think if you're if you're running on a concentrated portfolio then definitely yes you'll have to have quality filters in check and and when you say quality filter or filter on what basis are you talking about are you talking about fundamentally or are you talking about it will have to be fundamentals and that that uh, that will defeat the f- that will defeat the, the purpose the purpose of doing momentum at the first place because <laughs> <laughs> back to square one so yeah. effectively i should take the message that if you are doing momentum you should be diversified because uh, you are effectively betting on the price yeah yeah i think that is you you are basically yeah you you basically betting on price and and you're saying anything which is moving i am willing to take a look at that right instead versus if anything is moving and you know the fundamentals don't support it and you say that you know maybe the price is getting raked or you know some that brings me to my next question and it's actually uh, a related one uh have you ever thought of mixing the two uh, technicals uh, the momentum and the fundamentals yes yes uh, that is actually a a uh, a project or a or a dream in progress wherein i want to have both portfolios and when the momentum works i mean the value has no clue what's happening and and, and on the other side when the when the when the market is no, so wesley grace uh, talks about the same thing uh he has two different portfolios one for momentum and one for value and uh he's of the opinion that they complement each other like you said but my question was have you thought of mixing the two probably i ran some tests in in early years but that defeats the purpose of that particular silo so if you keep them in different silos they will take care of different market situations many many people remember you know we had the same discussion with wesley gray uh, who does the same thing and he uh, on his, in all his back tests he told that if you want to mix you have to mix it as a part of your total portfolio you have to have portion to value and portion to momentum but you can't yeah you can't really apply momentum on value stocks or something like that you know i think it defeats the purpose completely my point is uh, that is too academic and he misses on what has been picked up by people like william o'neil mark minervy and i i disagree that they do good quality fundamental check before they hey, yeah i'm not talking about in depth fundamental analysis they're basically at, at least they're taking care of the earnings right and uh, and and the basic balance sheet no but that that again would defeat the purpose you're looking you know in the rear view mirror when you're looking at earnings and balance sheet i mean momentum is basically looking ahead you are looking into the unknown 
No, but the names that I mentioned who mix these two have uh, records uh, which are stellar par excellence. Okay, so yeah, I I haven't really really done in-depth in-depth work on this. But uh, yeah, that that but I I definitely believe that if you keep the two in different silos, they will f- serve good complementary uh purposes to your portfolio. Right, right, great. So Alok tell us uh, tell tell the audience something about oh in fact everything about the two systems that you're running MI25 and MI50. So essentially uh, without going into very specifics of it the whole idea is to catch the momentum young keep a lookout for fading or you know wavering momentum if i may say so discard the weaker Uh, stocks in the process and hold cash in debt whenever momentum is not available so so th- this is like the true three steps on a macro basis that i take so if 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 i'm i don't find enough opportunity i stay in debt if i am finding opportunity i would go diversified into these 30 or 40 or 50 stocks and it is a basically a process of almost a process of like natural selection so the the fitter ones stay the non fitter ones keep getting filtered out so when you say uh, it's a it's a system where uh, it tells you how much to get in uh, when to get in when to not get in are you referring to any trend following overlay on the broader indices uh, no i don't do a trend following overlay on the broader indices because what i have seen is that if you do a trend following overlay on broader indices you might be delaying the start of your entry into the momentum stocks because the broader indices are, are usually lagging and and you might miss out on the initial lag of the momentum so the idea is that like for instance let's take 2008 now in back tests the system went fully into cash by mid of 2008 and then for the next 6 or 7 months it did not pick up anything so it stayed in cash for about 6 7 months now when 2009 recovery has started you will find that you know green shoots will start to appear so every month there will be one or two you know you want a bunch of 50 but you getting one or two and those are the initial sort of momentum uh, stocks that are jumping up and if you were to sort of put a overall filter on the market trend you would get nothing till maybe october 2009 you know like the market will take its time by whichever way you will measure the market trend even if it's a simple moving average uh you would have lost a significant part of those green shoots that would have come and beyond the momentum part of it it will give you a very clear indication which sectors of the economy have started moving up so i am seeing outside this model of momentum it does give you a lot of information about sectoral changes right like sudden like suddenly you know uh, auto component companies would come into play or suddenly you know uh, the others have gone out of flavor 
very interesting because I've actually seen the practice of it while following the MI50 model. Uh, your system uh, picked up all the sugar stocks right at the right time. Right, right. So, th- so there were two legs to sugar, and we we got in in the first leg, but the second leg we missed out. And and, and these are the inherent sort of shortcomings of the system, wherein if you are fully fully invested, and there are signals, you have to you know just let them go by but that's probably because you've all like you mentioned part of your system is to look for uh, early momentum and so the late momentum would obviously be missed that's right that's right so we did get a good chunk in in sugar and uh, recently in fact this this last friday uh, while the market was coming down we've lost a lot of auto ancillary so i'm i'm actually going to look out for you know other signals that this this industry's is, is momentum is going away. Jai Bharat Maruti uh, got out. Bharat Gears got out, and uh, I think there was one more name. So just to sum up uh, this part of the discussion so far, where your entry is based on uh, momentum, can you give a closure to this topic by defining your parameters for momentum? I understand that price momentum is what you are seeking, but uh, are you looking or combining? other data points like volume or any specific indicators which are you know which are mostly used uh, or you want to throw light on or is there a filter on what kind of companies you want to look at um, and and it could be anything it could be liquidity or say anything uh, or any of the things that i mentioned any of those come into picture or not and and so what i'm trying to do is provide a closure to the discussion so far what we have done and before you answer that, Alok, I have a related question. You can club both of them together. Uh, do you sometimes feel like a torchbearer who's legalizing marijuana? You know, because, uh, you know, momentum investing, if you ask any value investor, is actually an oxymoron. There is no momentum investing. Momentum is always trading. So uh, club these two questions and give the answer. Yeah, so 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 for me, I mean, there's a Gujarati saying, "Bhao Bhagwan che." So 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 price is God, and you know, price is you know this the the supreme uh, commodity that we are looking at. So so everything is around the price. Of course, there are all kinds of filters around it that will remove the the chaff and you know the the stocks that you don't want to get into, because you also have to see what scale you're going to operate at. Say you want to run, you know, five crores in momentum. You could look at a stock which, you know, at a two percent basis, you will be maybe investing ten lakhs in it. So you could look at anything which trades maybe you know two crores or two or five crores a day in terms of price times volume. But if you if you want to scale up and go further, then a lot of the market actually goes out of the picture. So that. Part actually is a very uh, di- disabling part of of our market because the depth exists only in so many few hundred. Which, by the way, most of the backtest will miss out. The back the backtest was also miss out on on uh, on lower volumes or you know those kind of things. So coming to Manish's point about uh, being a torchbearer, I I don't think so. But uh, you know, on the contrary, the moment you mentioned torchbearer. I was having a question in my mind which was completely opposite which was that uh, momentum in itself is 
probably as old as the markets are uh, in terms of strategy. I mean, think about all the books that have been written and all the traders you have heard about. Since momentum is, and Eugene Farmer has himself, you know, accepted the fact that if there are two anomalies to the efficient market, that one is value and one is momentum, uh, and momentum is well researched. There are hundreds of books, and there's a turtle trader, and there are, I mean, there there's no dearth of the research on momentum, and and there is no dearth of practitioners of momentum also. I mean, let me put it this way. So, uh, where does the edge for a momentum investor comes from? I can talk from the fundamental investing where the edge comes from but uh, in the momentum what is the edge because at the end of the day the price signal is is not that difficult to read compared to a business fundamental uh, so um, you might because of the nature of the thing you might expect many many more people to be able to do this where does the edge come from and being so much of research available what exactly is what differentiates a good momentum person to a bad one i think that's a million dollar question and, and and so far i don't think anybody has been able to answer it it is it is a function of human behavior and, and 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 people have tried to put their finger on it but nobody knows why or how you know momentum exists i really don't think so i i i have i've read many papers on this no no i, I the question is different the question is the people who are successfully practicing momentum trading or investing vis-a-vis -vis the people who attempt the same thing I'm, what I'm trying to understand is here is that the parameters are not so many so many parameters. It's just price and volume at the end of the day. I think I think at the end of the day, I believe any system is only 20% of the game. Okay, and what is the remaining 80%? 80% is discipline and staying the course. So, so are you saying that most of the people who follow momentum they fail because they are not able to stick to the system? Maybe they've not got the system right, but a lot of people will fall off because of the discipline part. I I think I can say the same the same statement for value investing as well. Eighty percent of value investors fail because they're not disciplined enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, Manish, and, and you know that will be true for almost every profession, not only investing. So there will be few outliers, and they will have the mix of all the right things in place: uh, intelligence, right method, discipline, all the behavioral traits you need to have, and so on and so forth. So I understand that right method is is only a part of the answer but the point here is that it's a very crucial part i mean if if you're disciplined and you have a wrong system that is more dangerous than a wrong system and being undisciplined might be undisciplined will be helpful in that case so a right system is paramount obviously and what i'm trying to gauge here is that whether the reason for failure is mostly a wrong system or is it bad discipline on the part of people people who are not able to do well in momentum strategies per se i think i think that is that part of your question remains unexplained i mean uh, i mean momentum remains an anomaly say yeah yeah i mean i don't have any answer to that uh, uh, this uh, this guy gary and antonacci's uh, website does say a couple of things about why momentum works but uh, i mean all that all that's theory obviously he talks about the behavioral biases which uh, results in what goes up keeps going up yeah, that's that's the answer to everything why everything works is because of human behavior at the end of the day <laughs> because majority has to be wrong for it to work no, but the closest answer i would imagine is this human behavior you know inertia of yeah yeah inertia of uh, you know uh, the 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 play happening and more and more people running after it 
So somebody said this. I I don't know the source. I think Wesley Gray's website mentions this. Uh, value investing is overreaction to a bad news, and momentum investing is underreaction to a good news. I am not so sure, but me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just quoting yeah. him. I I would say momentum in most cases would be front running a good news that is about to come. so so whether it is going to be good news or what kind of news but you are in the realm of the unknown and at that point of time value in investing is not able to explain the current situation yeah so who is the first leg who is buying which is leading to that momentum at the first place i think we should spend some more time on the system um not getting into the specifics but uh, the nature of the system per se so Uh, we have discussed about the first part of it which is getting into the momentum the second part of your system which you said is about getting rid of weak momentum or low quality momentum if i can call it uh, what are the parameters of the thought process which you have in determining that part is it again purely price driven lagging which is happening in the momentum pace of momentum like um, like again coming back to wesley's work uh he talks about quality momentum where he is filtering out a large amount of momentum uh, which is very short term momentum so to speak so what is the thought process when it comes to quality of momentum which you are talking about overall i believe that you know the uh, the entire game is hinged upon this uh, issue of exit i think a large part of the trading game is is done successfully or unsuccessfully based on the exit entry everybody is able to do either sooner or later all the pharma investors would agree with you <laughs> exit is that so exit is that enigma that you need to you know unlock and i believe exiting is possible only in two ways either before you enter a trade you know where you're going to exit either that or it's a constantly uh reevaluated and recalculated parameter which is which is what a trading stop loss is see you have to believe that i'm not i'm not at all into momentum so please forgive me with this but what is the difference between what you're saying so trading stop loss yes it is a it is an exit uh, decision but is it a calculatable and is in a scientific way of calculating at every moment every on every day for instance or are you actually putting it into the system or are you actually going to you know uh, create certain amount of uh, discretionary power around it so so many things are there very simple you get into a stock at 100 rupees it has gone to 120 today is a good day it is going to 130 what happens if it starts dropping today where will you exit is that defined to the core or not let's say you have a moving average based system and you say okay i will follow this moving average line So are you saying that okay that decision that okay this if it goes below MA whatever uh, I will make an exit no matter what is that what you're saying No so moving average is is very average, would be very elementary No no not moving average I'm saying just like moving average uh, some parameter which is calculated number so some parameter which is calculatable and which is absolutely crystal clear in terms of uh, you know execution capability in terms of if this parameter is getting uh, violated today then i'm getting out 
if that is defined if that is defined then you got a good exit if if your parameter is that at the end of the day i will reevaluate the entire situation and tomorrow i will think for instance where i may exit or you know in a way you are not looking for an exit sort of what i'm trying to say is when you are into the position and it's all, all is going well you are not your system or you are not thinking or looking for the exit i am saying you should at all times be thinking or having an, an exit so your exit strategy is completely coded okay so you don't have no discretion whatsoever and you check those exits at the end of the week that's what your weekend investing is all about so within week whatever gets exited you don't see is that what you're saying and uh, a related question to that uh, alok and you can decide to say no if it's too intriguing uh does it change uh does does your stops change based on the performance of your particular stock i didn't understand the question myself okay so let's just say i have a 10% stop hypothetically if the if if my uh, if the stock goes below 10% my purchase price i'll exit okay so that will be like a fixed stop loss system just a hypothetical example uh, just be with me and now uh, let's say 3 months later the stock is at uh, uh, 100% gain and now my stop loss is a lot different than what i initially decided sure so i mean i do trail no okay no okay okay let me rephrase it once again so let's just say i had a trailing soft stop loss to begin with but now that my stock is successful i will or you you're saying the the the, the whether the stock loosen the loosen yeah. or or uh, or tighten tighten or whatever yeah uh, change the no, I, i i i would not change the the dynamics of it okay. i would keep it as loose as as it was yeah what will happen however is that suppose your stock has gone up 100% and then it starts to consolidate then due to you know the time time value or due to the uh, you know your uh, trailing part it may get little closer to your price so it may tighten on its own for that matter just like an atr for that matter okay um, um i i'm still um, not clear on the volume answer you said that you use volume as a parameter not for filtering but uh, even for entering positions or it's purely price driven okay um so Uh, so on the quality side you said that you don't really have a parameter in terms of judging the quality of the momentum so uh, so what was that your second point all about what what do, what do you mean by when the momentum starts to fade away are you talking because a fading momentum in my basic understanding will not really be hitting your stop losses it it is essentially a sort of a you know a, a rate of change a relative rate of change you can say so the point is that for a, and and uh, let me just again ask you very broadly do or do you do all your calculations on a weekly chart basis or what what is it uh, i i do on a weekly and i also have a monthly product so i i do a monthly as well so so that that is not in public domain okay. so yeah so so I, like uh, recently i had announced that i will launch it this month and and where does where i mean what's the difference between the two so essentially the difference is uh, a different methodology of entry and exit the basis remains the same i mean you're looking at 
you know uh, momentum at large but the different parameters used to entry or exit these various strategies could complement each other so the idea is to distribute your money amongst various strategies using the same stocks using similar momentum strategies but with different entries and exits which will smoothen out your returns curve actually so so alok you know uh, this is a different strategy that now you're talking about now i know through our conversations that you're not much into books uh my question is how are these strategies coming to you so i i do a lot of chart reading so i i i look at a lot of charts and as you may have seen i tweet a lot about you know various uh, trades based on chart readings right so i i eyeball a lot of charts and i try to find what are you know some obvious or you know recurring patterns that i see and and then i try to code them or try different ideas on them remember i am free for 6 days of the week so <laughs> so I, i i i need to fill those hours by the way just out of curiosity do you code and or do you have a team which codes or no i i code myself you code yourself so you are very well versed with the coding i am not well versed but whatever little i know i do <laughs> <laughs> okay and in what uh, tool you use for the coding i use amy broker okay so just like yours and then you try okay. to code them in fact i i visited uh, i attended one of workshops like you did recently i think right. i think this was 2013 and that's where i was really able to put my ideas into a sort of a real test before that i had no clue how to okay uh, so let's say you you evaluated something from the charts and you are able to judge a pattern which is exactly what you're looking for and you go about coding it is your a test of strength of that idea based on back testing or is it as in when i'll keep on testing i'll see whether it works or not so i try to do as much as rigorous testing as possible i try to run it live if it's a smaller time frame like i'm if i'm doing it on a monthly it is it becomes very difficult for live testing so I, on, a, on a weekly before i launched the public uh, mi50 i probably ran it on my own money for about 6 to 8 months and uh, then i uh, launched the uh, public so so alok it's one thing to have a system and totally another to follow it so do you indulge in any kind of mind training meditation or anything i would love to i i haven't gotten around to it but uh, i would if i were to evaluate myself and probably i'll be biased in that i would say that i am quite quite at peace so so from that point of view i i can really i mean uh, you know withstand good drawdowns uh, also because i have tested and ran money on these systems for for some time and and i think and i think uh, the entire market whipsaws are a result of you know people who are either uh, you know getting greedy or fearful or as the conventional four animals of the market so in 2008 what was the uh, what would have been the drawdown of your uh, mi25 and 
it would be close to about 30. So you are having MI 2550 at that point in time? No. No, no. If no. you back, back test. test. Oh, it's sorry. a back sorry, test. Sorry, sorry. So, and you're saying that you're stoic enough to take 30% drawdown in your stride? Yeah, I think I think 30 to 40% is still bearable. And uh, the famous saying is, whatever your drawdown is, you multiply that with at least 2 or 1.5. That is the actual drawdown <laughs> you might get. Would yeah. you be comfortable with a 50-60% yeah, so, drawdown? Yeah, so, so, so 30 into 1.5 is 45. So I would say it's still below 50. And one can probably still hang around, hang around. But I, that that is that is a test that one has to go through. Okay, uh, I mean, before I get into the philosophical aspect of it, which which we generally end it up with, uh, I have a couple more questions, and um, uh, you can tell me whatever you want to because I won't be able to implement it anyways. So, uh, so again, I got the first two part now, which is um, which is finding the momentum and then getting out of the momentum uh, if it's weak. Uh, then the third question obviously is the risk management side and which I am getting a feel that it is trailing stop loss of some form. It mean it might not be a very obvious one like an MA, but it is of some form like an ATR, modified ATR, whatever it could be. I don't know. Um, so uh, is there anything else which is a very critical element as per you? And I'm not talking about the... I'm talking about the thought process, not the exact uh, implementation. But is there any other critical aspect because I it seems to me that it is too simplistic and which I can believe that simple simple is usually beautiful I don't I believe that statement but is there uh, something which is a bit more critical aspect which is which you probably would want to throw some light on yeah I, I, I don't think uh, there's any uh, you know a very complicated uh, algorithm that is running there there are very simple parameters that I'm using and uh, and you're basically uh, capturing the market moves using very simple parameters. If I'm getting the allocation right, I'm just summing up a large chunk of what I've heard. You are not having any kind of uh, system on the broad indices. It is There is nothing on the broad indices. So whatever it is, it is on the basis of individual stocks. So if something comes up in your system, you buy 2% of it, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so one of my systems... Uh, allocates two percent. Another one is allocating about four percent. And if two percent, so MI twenty five will be allocating four percent, and fifty will be having two percent. Fair enough. So let's say that MI twenty five allocates four percent. If the four percent capital is not there, it will let go that particular. It will let go of the opportunity. Uh, if there is less money deployed, the remaining will head into liquid funds. Okay. Uh, and again, everything you have automated completely. So the liquid fund automatically goes away. Yeah, so it, those are the, the trade will happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you are away from the system, I mean, away from the system, you're not really watching it. Uh, what are the black swan that can come into this whole picture? Uh, one which I can instantly think, and again, I'm not a practitioner of your art, so I would not really comment too much. But what I can instantly think is, uh, when you put your stops, you must, must be putting, uh, what, limit orders or... What exactly, what kind of an order you put? Because uh, the, the stops vis-a-vis -vis the actual hits in a very sharp fall can be very drastic difference between... Yeah, so so basically I use uh, an algorithm to get in and get out of stocks. So it's a order management system wherein a algorithm runs to uh, gradually get in and gradually get out of a stock. It's not an instant order of all the sale. It is on the basis of... 
uh, how much it is following. So if, if a first order vis a vis your last order will have a price difference of slightly yes, it could have, it could have. I mean, it it all depends upon the market. If suppose I am buying something and there is a big seller in front of me, then even even my five orders will get hit, get hit at the same price. So the black swan could be you know a a market a market disruption uh, on the on the second half of the week on 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 the second half of the day on the Friday, and uh, you know you are not able to close the positions or you are not able to enter new positions on that day. so 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 that kind of a market disruption event if it happens then you will have to you know uh, delay it to the next morning or a situation where uh, the exit is not possible at all shilpi for, for example yeah shilpi that that case i remember i could not get an exit for many days and and every day and every day you had to so so yeah i mean we we lost about what 30% on that trade Thirty, thirty-five percent, and um, and those, I guess, those will happen once in a while. Yep, yep. So, are you a disciplined person in real life? What's your daily routine like? Tough for me to judge, but my do- daily routine is actually going through a reboot right now. So, uh, uh, we are now em- witnessing an empty nest in, at our house. We just left our daughter. Uh, for our uh, university education in singapore okay. and uh, so last couple of years uh, a lot of routine has been revolving around her and you know her going to college okay. and uh, so so in otherwise uh, my routine is reasonably reasonably boring and uh, and scheduled uh, uh, daily so i try to wake up early and uh, you know i try to go for a walk or a jog and then uh, i i run my operation from home so i have a small room which i call my office and uh, so i try to be there by by the time uh, market opens and you know half an hour just take a look at what's happening uh, over the years i have gradually reduced a lot of uh, trading activity i mean i used to be a big trader uh, even as as early as 5 uh, 6 years back but uh, gradually what i've done consciously is to reduce my trading efforts and um, uh, run a uh, uh, discretionary uh, portfolio uh, more in terms of uh, positionals positional uh, uh, system and uh, a momentum system uh, so so when you're not really trading during the day i mean there's not much to do in the market right. so so you can utilize that time for you know doing testing or, or 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 trying to find some new new edge somewhere and uh, developing uh, uh, basically a if a, a finer a finer sense of uh, any new system <coughs> okay so i asked you about what can uh, hit your system uh, which is the black swan point but uh, another thing which i wanted to ask is uh, since you have first of all done a bit of live testing and by any stretch of imagination we should not be judging a system on a small time frame basis sure sure it's just too early I, even I, even right now i i feel it is too early yeah. because i i've been uh, running this system for a year and a half live and about 6 months before so about just uh, just under 2 years yeah. uh, and obviously the test of the system is on a longer time frame basis the whole economic cycle is but uh, you know generally i mean that's too long a time period for you to judge but my 
point here is how do you when you're sitting and developing that system on a intellectual honest basis what kind of steps you can take to make your system more robust by testing it on the back front and if you have done that what kind of market will have the most adverse effect and i'm not talking about black swan only in terms of lower return periods what kind of market is where you are going to struggle i have an intuitive answer about this but i want to know from the horse's mouth yeah so so if i if i so what the way i do it is that i try to uh, you know uh, increase or amplify the the costs that are associated with the with the back test which could be slippages which could be you know uh, uh, your uh, your transaction costs and uh, you could you could actually do a better test of your system of in in really dull periods of the market so you i mean if i believe that if if your system can sustain a period of say january 2008 to june 2013 i mean this period was largely i would say uh, first it was humongously trending for first two years and then it went just you know non trending for the next two or three years so in these five years you got mostly a flavor of all types of markets you know very dull market sideways market very trending upwards trending downwards you got a flavor of most of the types of markets that you would normally see and what about the period from 2000 9 to 12 uh, so so the, so 8 8 to 13 8 to 13 would 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 do that yeah so 8 to 13 would include that and if during that period if your system is able to give you even you know reasonable uh, nominal returns i think it is worthwhile to go f- and and what does your back test gives you in those period i think we would have got somewhere close to between 12 to 14% and this is post tax post transaction cost this is pre tax this pre tax and uh, but post transaction costs yes the whole idea of momentum if correct me if i'm wrong is that so not get out uh, in those periods as in don't go get bankrupt and then milk it in the modi rally kind of situation which by the way i think again that value momentum compensation which you're talking about so i can again give you my personal experience that 10 to 13 was a very very high return period for me personally and it was upward of 30% uh, on a yearly basis because that's a stock picking it's a stock second half of 2013 2013 specifically no, i'm right? saying from 10 to 13 10 to 13 yeah. okay so that dull period was a very high return period for me particularly but the moment you go into the market which is going crazily above that is a time when you guys will come up and you know take those returns and mop it up whereas we get into cautious mode and yeah but cautious mode but how many value investors actually get out when you know i mean uh, let, okay let's not let's separate the bad practicing of an art with the art per se okay so i mean no no i i i i really admire the real value guys because i mean that is something which i think momentum cannot achieve the kind of returns that real value uh, investors are able to get i think momentum is very difficult to achieve because i have not seen any uh, documentary evidence of anybody achieving you know 30 40 50% cagr in momentum 
what? What? Mark Minervi, Jesse Stein. They're like, sure, their number of years is less, but who needs the, those many years? One decade is enough in, to get financially independent, man. No, my point is, I agree with you that uh, when it comes to the size, uh, momentum will fall flat on its face. But my point is, for us, uh, that kind of size we haven't reached there. So why talk about it? So uh, Alok, tell me, uh, when do you know that? your system is not working anymore so a few years of underperforming the benchmarks when the benchmarks are trending that that probably would be the signal that the system is losing uh, or 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 even the slippages that may start to occur uh, when i'm entering or exiting the situation that may give me a signal that you know the uh, efficacy of this system is going away but but to be honest i don't have a clear answer to that but the drawdown would not be a deterrent if it's a lot more than you back test the drawdown if it is much much more than what 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 we anticipate like you said it could be two times i mean that would that would definitely uh, make me make me at least start to think uh, if if the market that exists at that time is very different from you know what earlier drawdowns that we saw i mean so so if you know the market went into a lower circuit spiral for like 3 days you know every stock would be like almost 60% down you know so 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 that kind of a black swan if it comes basically uh, the, i mean i would say that the system is not fool proof no system is i guess but uh, 2008 i believe is a reasonably good test of a rigorous downside i mean if you've uh, withstood 2008 with a 30% drawdown it it reasonably has tested your limits of the system and especially because your system stayed out for 6 months so had it had it been you know uh, 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 staying in, uh, invested and still losing money while the market was going down then you could say that you know maybe if the market had gone deeper your drawdown would have been deeper but since the drawdown was capped and you got out of the market overall so in a way you have tested the depths to some extent as to where the system can go think one question i forgot to ask uh, um, um, is there any other thing you follow besides mi25 and mi50 i have another m- monthly, monthly system yeah 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 monthly which you are practicing trying trying out right now so uh, just out of curiosity what amount of portion of your net worth are you testing up with these systems i mean the reason why i'm asking is because that at the end of the day uh, the conviction in the system is also decided by how much money you're putting to willing to put in that system rather than just so right now i i i run both discretionary and non discretionary portfolios and am i 2550 though are the disc- non discretionary ones you have a discretionary portion also which where there is no disclosure so far they are the non discretionary ones i have a discretionary portion also yeah 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 so so these two are more or less in balance right now okay 50 50 sort of let's say okay and uh, will act will these two uh, be large chunk of your net worth i would still say minor- minority chunk not majority now that you're financially independent uh, what keeps you going 
uh, what are you passionate about what what makes you come to the work the next day so essentially i think the uh, the fact that the market is is a changing environment every day and that it challenges you every day and the fact that you can be humbled by it at any point of time it sort of keeps you keeps you wanting to discover it more uh every day at least i i can say i i learn something new when i come to the market some something new is getting into my head every day so that is is what keeps you going and uh, uh yeah i mean i i guess i guess it is the it is the learning it is the you know the uh, the, the the creativity that is available for you to demonstrate in the market i think that that uh, non mundaneness of these of the daily routine because where you start at 9 o'clock and how you know you reach 4 o'clock is is usually i don't i don't uh, uh, really realize where time is gone father uh, had a very interesting anecdote on this uh, so he he used to tell me that uh, you know he follows a, a vv principle in life w e w e and he told me uh, that this is a theory by one dr johnson and i used to believe him uh, so uh, incidentally he was diagnosed with cancer in 2009 and uh, i spent a good four four odd years going with him to hospital i was practically in a hospital every day from 2009 to 2013 so i had sort of given my business to my managers to run and uh, when i saw the kind of sufferings in the hospitals there for years it kind of totally changed my perspective to life it totally changed my views on you know business money relationships and i was i became so close with my father in those four years that i would not have you know talked to him as much in the in the previous 40 years so he told me this principle that if he has followed it since since his early days that wewe was that first w is walk so you so you must walk every day and you you must walk till you can't walk more so you so 8 to 10 kilometers is what he used to walk and jog every day even at that age then the se- the second letter was e that you have to keep yourself entertained so you must be enjoying your life try to find ways in which you are working and enjoying your life it should not become a sore point of your you know of your day your work should not be. third w was uh, intellectually stimulating work so do certain work which will keep your brain stimulated you know whether it is generating uh, returns to you or not is a separate issue but do something creative do something which will you know stimulate your brain and the last eve according to him was eating that you must eat to your heart's desire and uh, <laughs> the the walking part will take care of everything so he said if he followed uh, wwe for all his entire life and he he, he if, uh, when he was diagnosed i mean he was running 8 kilometers a day he was like a fit 45 year old at the age of 68 and uh, but uh, he got unlucky with the disease 
but uh, later on after he passed away i i googled uh, wwe i said let me look at who is dr johnson i couldn't find any so it was his own creation <laughs> interesting <laughs> so it was his own creation to you know influence his children you know maybe if you had said that i have created it i may not have believed him but uh, expert bias he was creating <laughs> and and uh, unconsciously you know it created a lot of uh, health uh, focus in our family you know so my so my wife walks a lot i i do it my mother you know those kind of things so yeah i don't know where we started this from but yeah <laughs> you know i i i hope uh, you and your listeners can take something out of this i don't know i told manish before we we started that <laughs> i don't know why you want to interview me i i i, I I'm a simple guy. I, 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 I think you know when we are thinking about the podcast. Also, we're not really thinking of, uh, uh, of like an interview sort of, but more like a discussion where people can have more intellectual understanding to take away. Correct, and 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 when you when you are explaining certain things, uh, it, it 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 becomes clearer to you for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. And anyways, you leave that to the audience. I'm pretty sure they have picked up some very nice nuances. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay thanks a lot thank you. thank you